Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, good evening. We're in Galatians, and Paul continues his treaty of making clear about faith. Now, he's been doing that for chapter 1, he's done it in chapter 2, and he's doing it in chapter 3. And so what we're going to look at tonight is maybe a little uh, theological. It might seem like when you're reading it out, let's just get through this. But it's critical to our understanding of salvation. And so we're going to finish chapter 3 tonight. Now, again, if you've got a question, you can text it in. The number's there on your screen. So let's begin. And an irrevocable agreement can't be repealed. It can't be repealed. So we're going to begin in verse 15. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child, and notice the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. And so if the the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, that's what he gave to Moses, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. So if it comes to understand, God gave a promise to Abraham. He said, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is how this is going to work. And all Abraham had to do was very simply one thing. God, I believe you will keep your promise. Now, what was that promise? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I'm going to show you. Notice he didn't tell him where, he just said, Abraham, get going, I'll show you along the way. Have you noticed that God does a lot of stuff with us that way? You keep going, as you get closer, I'll be the one who will direct your steps and I'll show you where you're headed. No, God, I want a roadmap. I want to know the destination. I want to know how long it's going to take. I want to know where I'm headed. I want all the details. God says to Abraham, to Abram, get up, leave. I'll show you as we go. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. In other words, Abraham, this is not going to be just for you. This is going to be for everyone who lives. I'll make this promise. Get up and go. Then later on, we know that God tested him. He said, this is what the Lord says now, because you've obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants by beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer all the cities and of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you've obeyed me. And so what Abram had to do is no different than what you and I have to do. God's given us many promises. And he says, look, do you believe me? Do you trust me? 
Do you think I'll keep my promise? God's promise is heaven. Do we believe that heaven is real and that he's going to take us there? God's promise to protect us. Do we believe that he will? God's promise to provide for us. Do we believe that? God's promise to save us. Do we believe it? Abraham lived by faith because God gave him a promise and he believed it. The writer in Hebrews tells us this, God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible, get that? It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain until the God's inner sanctuary, until the very presence of God. And so Paul writes here and he says, look, Abraham was given a promise. And he is declared righteous because he believed what God said. Folks, God has given us a promise. Do we believe what God said? Oh, yeah, I believe it. Well, there's something else that has to follow. We've read a little bit about it. It'll keep resurfacing. If I believe it, then I obey God. And so we come to that. So this can't be broken. God made the promise. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to say, oh, that's fib and I lied to you. Oh, no, I'm going to take it away. No, he gave his word. He's going to keep it and it's not going to change. And so you and I can hold on to that promise. Now, because of that, we know that there's no rivalry between the law and because God's promise. And that's where Paul goes next. He says, look, because he gave this promise, because he's not going to change it, here's what you need to understand. Look at verse 19. Well, well, why then was the law given? If God did that, then why did he come up with the law? Well, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. In other words, here's the law. You, when you're driving, can go 50 miles an hour on Bayshore Road out here. If you go over that, you are breaking the law. You might not get caught. You might think, well, I'm just okay. But technically, you have broken the law. So what's the law's purpose? It's to set, here's the standard Here's what you're to do. God expects you to do it. And when you don't, then you have begun to be disobedient. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Because they came out of Egypt, God takes Moses aside. Look, I've got to give you some rules to live by. Up until this time, you've been slaves. You just had to do whatever you were told. The rules could change and be made up. You don't know how to live in freedom. So I want to keep you free. I want you to still be able to live in the freedom that I've just brought you out of. Now, if you're going to live in that freedom, here's some rules that you need to keep so that you will stay free. God doesn't give the rules or the law to to limit us and to make life harder. He gave the law to us to make life easier. And that's what he did to the children of Israel. You do this, I've made a promise, I'm going to do it. And here's the law though. Here's what the rules you need to keep. 
Now, if you don't keep them, and Israel didn't, God said, look, I'm going to turn you over to your enemies. I'm going to do this so that you will repent and come back to me and obey. I'm still going to keep my promise, but I want you to obey me. And so God says, look, here's, here's the law, Moses. Help the people so that they'll stay free. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. In other words, there's two parties going on. They can't come to agreement. A third person steps in and mediates it. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Abraham, we don't need a mediator. We don't need someone to judge between us. Here's my word. My word is good. I'll keep it. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promise? In other words, well, hold up. We got a promise. We got a law. Are they, are they going against each other? No, absolutely not. If the law could give us the new life, we would be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin because we've all broken the law. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So the law was put into place until Christ came. And when he came, now you have another way to live. You have a way to live through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you accept or believe in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you're forgiven because you've chosen by faith to accept what God's done for you, and therefore you are declared, like Abraham, righteous. And so he says, there's not a conflict here. The, the promise isn't going away. The promise that was given to Abraham and the law, notice the promise was given 400 and some years before the law ever came into being. And so this is what God said. This is what he did. Paul goes on to talk about then how Christ removed the law. The promise still stands, but the law is taken away. And that's what he's trying to get across to these people. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. The law kept us in place where we needed to be. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Follow the law, it'll keep you safe until faith comes. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that we, the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So Paul says, why do you keep trying to keep the rules? Why do you keep trying to do this and this? Because that's all they had known. And so from the time of Moses on to the time of Christ, the law was in place. When Jesus Christ came, he took the law away because it was no longer needed. He was now the way of salvation, not by keeping the rules. And so the law doesn't guide us, but our faith in Christ guides us. The law says you're guilty because you've broken it, but Jesus Christ says you're forgiven because of grace. You're not guilty. And we don't now live in the law under the rules. We now live under grace. Now, Jesus himself said pretty much the same thing. Notice in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Don't misunderstand, Jesus speaking, why I have come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. I came to accomplish their purpose. 
This is what they were there for. They were there to help you. They were there to guide you. They were there to protect you. Now no longer does the law do that. Now I will do that. I will guide you. I will protect you. I will take care of you. You don't put your trust in keeping the rules. You put your trust in me. He says, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So Jesus says, I've come so that you can have a better way. I've come to accomplish what the law tried to accomplish. Oh, and I will do it better. And so please accept my way, which is a way of faith, believing in me, not believing in the law. And thus the conflict that Jesus fought during his entire ministry was between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders trying to impose the law upon him and everyone else. And Jesus trying to explain, it's no longer that way. I am now the one who sets you free. I am now the one who provides you forgiveness. I am now the one who makes you acceptable before God. Not the law, not the rules but me. And you see, there's a lot of people today, I I've, can't uh, understand, but I get asked often, well, now that I want to serve God, tell me what I have to do. In other words, if I'll do this and this and this, everything will be good. But you see, that's not how Christ wants us to live. Yes, I want to obey Him, but I do that out of a relationship. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed even though they never had God's written law. Why? The law was given to the Jews, wasn't it? And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even the Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. See, this kind of answers the question that people have. Well, what about people who've never heard? Here's what we know. Their law is written within their heart. They, they instinctively know right and wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and though it's, and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim. The day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. So man knows. Bottom line, here's the rules. Here's the way I need to live. Here's what I need to do. Here's what's right. And God says, look, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to be the one who's going to now help you know how to live. Not just by trying to do everything right, because you won't ever do that. We all are guilty of sin. Romans 3.30, there's only one God. He makes people right with Himself only by faith whether they are Jews or whether they're Gentiles. Well, then if the emphasis, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Does this mean, well, I can believe in God and then act however I want, do whatever I want? No, that's not what it says. Of course not, he says. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. You see, because when I got faith in Christ, I want to live for Him and not for myself. I want to do what's right in his sight. 
owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commands are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. You see, when I operate out of love, I will do the right things for God, for myself, and for other people. I will not live selfishly because love is willing to sacrifice itself for others. Love doesn't have to have its own way. The description of love is given to us in Corinthians. It tells us this is what love is. This is what it is. This is what it's not. This is what it doesn't do. And what Paul is writing here in Romans, he says, look, you want to fulfill the law? All you have to do is love others as much as yourself or more. Because you're not going to be able to do that without loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you're going to be made right with God by loving Him and loving others. Not by, well, I'm nice, I'm a good person, I do good things, God will surely accept me for that, and I'll be all right because I don't do bad things, but nobody's perfect. And the Bible says, and we talked about it last week, if you break one part of God's law, you've broken it all. So we come to that place that we understand. Because there's so many people, even Christians, who think, well, I have faith in God, now I can go live like I, like I want. No, I have faith in God, and therefore I can go live like He wants. I want to become like Him. I want to follow Him. And if I believe in Jesus, I want to try to live like Him. I'm not doing it because i got to keep a set of rules. Those rules don't make me a better person. I'm doing it because I love God. And if I love God and love you, that will make me a better person. And so Paul writes to these people and tries to get them to understand, here's the way it works. Here's what happens. God gave a promise to Abraham. God gave the laws to Moses. The promise still stands. Will you believe by faith that what God says is true and he will keep his word? Abraham believed God. Moses said, look, here's the rules that we have to live by as a new nation because we need them. They're there to help us stay right. And if we will keep them, God will bless us and take care of us. God is going to use us. God is going to work through us. He always kept a remnant of people and said, but we live by these rules and by, that's what God wants to do. But now Jesus Christ shows up. And now it says, look, the promise still stands. Abraham, believe me. Do you believe me in Jesus and what he did on a cross? Do you accept that? Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Are you willing to live by that? Not by your own sight thinking, well, I'll believe in Christ and then I'll make my own rules for what's right and wrong. No, my rules are made by my love for God. And because I love him, I live a certain way. That's no difference in the way we relate to people in a marriage, in friendships, in work, because I choose to love you, whoever I work with, whoever I have as a neighbor, whoever, you know, I'm married to. I choose to treat them out of love. And if I'll do that, I'll always be pleasing God. It's when we act selfishly 
and we want to go our own way and we want our own opinions and we devise our own rules that we impose on ourselves. But the problem is when we impose the rules on ourselves, we also oppose them on other people. And see, God deals with each one of us as we are, doesn't he? And sometimes he tells me some things are wrong for me and I'm not to impose them on somebody else. And so he comes to say, and Paul's trying to get this point across these Jewish people, look, these people are coming in trying to destroy your church. They're trying to tell you you've got to believe in Jesus and you've got to believe in the laws. You can't do that. You believe in Christ. He will set you free. The old way is gone. A new way has come. And that's still a struggle of mankind today. We want to devise our own way, own thing. Yeah, I believe in God and I believe Jesus. I believe all those things. But now I want to go live like I want. God's promise is still there. We receive that promise when we believe Him. And all are recipients of God's promise. In this case, it's whether you're Jew or a Gentile. That promise is available to all people, all kinds. It's not just a select few. See, the Jewish people thought, well, it's just us. It's not the Gentiles anymore. It's just us. No, it's all people. That's where Paul says, look, this thing given to Abram wasn't just for him. God said, I'm going to bless you and all the people of the earth will be blessed. Notice what he says, verse 26. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become a child of God. You believe what Jesus Christ did on a cross. You believe he died. He rose again. And because of that, he's alive today. And he paid the price for our guilty life because we've broken the law. And he says, if you'll believe in me, I'll forgive you. You'll no longer be judged by how well you kept the rules. You'll be judged by how well you believe in me. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. That's the picture. I'm baptized in water because I want to demonstrate to the world that my life has changed and I am now a new creation. And just as Jesus died and was buried and rose again, baptism relates to that saying, the old me is dead, I now have a new life, and I now live for Christ. And there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are two true children of Abraham. Why? Because you believe the same promise that Abraham believed. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Abraham, here's what I'll do. I'll keep my word. I'm giving you a promise. And we become heirs with Abraham when we believe God will keep his promise. This is what he said. This is what he's going to do. I believe in Christ and what he's done, and I choose to live my life in obedience to him. You see, it's not, well, I accept Jesus and get to do whatever I want. Love doesn't let you do that. That's why a lot of people, they struggle in relationships. They don't know how to love. They think, well, if I marry somebody or if I have a relationship with somebody, that person exists for me. No, my love is willing to sacrifice and to give no matter what. 
And so it doesn't matter who you are, you can receive this grace. And when it comes to time for salvation, salvation is the same for all. We're all equal in God's sight. It doesn't matter who we are. Paul sums this up beautifully in Romans chapter 3. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, Old Testament. For its purpose is to keep people from having an excuse to bring the entire world into judgment before God. For no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what His law commands. Why is that? Because you won't keep the law. If you break it, one rule, you've broken it all. You're guilty. For the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying it. But now God has shown us a different way to be of being right in His sight. Not by obeying the law or the rules, but by the way promised in the Scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in this same way no matter who we are or what we've done. That's great news for us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what, God says, I died to forgive you and there's nothing you'll ever do that is greater than what I have accomplished for you. Then this great verse, all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. All, everybody who's ever lived. Yet now God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He's done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. So if we have not put our faith or our belief in Jesus then we're judged by the law. One day, everybody's going to give an account of their life before God. And you're going to, those that without Christ, who haven't believed in Him, are going to be judged by the law. And they're going to be guilty. But those who have believed in Christ are now forgiven. And they're going to be declared not guilty. And if we've accepted His work on the cross, and we live a life of love for Him, in every area of our life, by obeying Him and doing what's right in His sight, then we are declared not guilty. That's a great promise. God says, look, if you'll believe in me, this is what I'll do for you. This is how much I care for you. This is what I accomplished for you. And the same promise I gave to Abraham, I'm giving to you today. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will guide you. I will help you. You can depend on me. Do we believe that? If we do, we recognize, God, you know what? I've broken the rules. There's things in my life that I've done that I know are against you. They don't have to be spelled out for me. I just know it inside. And God, I'm guilty. But I know that you died to take away my guilt, my shame, my fear, my hurt. And God, I'm going to trust in you. And we all know how much we have a hard time trusting. But God, I believe you're going to keep your promise. And that if I will commit my life to you, and if I will live for you and not for me, that you will take care of me. You will provide for me. And one day, I'll live with you forever in heaven. I pray 
that that's the life you have chosen. Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for the clarity that the writer gives to us about what you've done and how we receive it. We don't earn it. Jesus Christ paid the price for it. And what we have to do is believe in him. And if we believe in Christ, then we receive the forgiveness that only he can give to us and we can be declared not guilty. And we choose to live a life to honor him. Thank you for the promise you have given to us. Help us to live by it, I pray. In thy name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.